How's it going? I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast, episode two, The Knockers of Justice. Everything's of justice. Well, yeah. At least, yeah. (laughs) These are superhero comics. They're all about justice. In theory. Or boning, based on this week's. They might be about boning. They might be about boning. It's hard to tell, so. Yeah. So, why don't we talk about that? (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, yeah, it's uh, the third week of... DC's New 52, and this is the week they decided to come out with uh, Wonder Woman, which is a book about a strong female Amazon character that was well-written by Brian Azzarello, and also all the other books that are about... Boning. Slash fic boning superheroes that... Yeah, (laughs) right. For those of you that read comic books, but for some reason... May have been, I don't know, trapped underneath something heavy this entire week and unable to get to your local comic book store or to your computer for your digitals. Um, what we have going on here is uh, in Catwoman, ri- written by Judd Winnick this week, uh, we had a moonlighting moment where Catwoman and Batman had the sex that had always been implied just right there, like full on on page, like like a whole page. Literally right there. It wasn't a whole page. It was a three-page sequence of hot cat on bat action she found the bat pole oh jesus christ she found the bat pole that's why there's bat poles (laughs) he's got two there's a reason she wants to be with him (laughs) (laughs) jesus christ meanwhile over in uh red hood and the outlaws um Starfire has been added to a team that is is comprised also of the Red Hood, Jason Todd, and uh, Roy Harper, uh, who used to be Green Arrow's sidekick and also Arsenal um, when he wasn't speedy. And he has recovered from his drug addiction. Oh, he's not speedy. That's why Starfire's fucking him. Starfire is banging everybody. She's a slut. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, all right. yeah, they're trying to put this under the moniker of, oh, she's from Tamarin, and so she doesn't think about humans as being, you know, actually there because she's got some sort of space ADHD, and they're all sights and sounds and just there for her to, like, hop on like she's Snooky or something and smush. She's got the orange going for her, I guess, but... Oh. <laughs> look, it was there. Low-hanging fruit. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're continuing on this sort of quest to keep her vapid, um, which has been going on since about 2008, at least, uh, when <laughs> Judd Winnick wrote her as part of the Titans. Um, I, I'm, as I said in a previous uh, show, I, I'm a Teen Titans fan from well, way a, back. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about that. It's you know, forget what happened in 2008 Titans. It was stupid. It's in Titans number one. Uh, there was a, a scene where Starfire was just sunbathing naked and just sort of stood up in front of a child, which is out of character. But at least she was. Well, at least she had recognized at that point the the mores of human enough that she covered her shame <laughs> eventually. Well, yeah, eventually, and I'm willing to buy into the character that you know. Oh, I'm innocent, not from here, and there's nothing malicious about it. I'm still just. Corey. I just like being naked. Yeah, I'm still Coriander from here, and uh, I just sort of like being naked. And I, oh, this is wrong. And it, but uh, that's very different from what happened in Red Hood and the Outlaws. And as somebody who has read Teen Titans for a long time. Well, yeah, and um, there's a, an excellent article up on comicsalliance.com by Laura Hudson. Um, 
and she she details it far better than I could probably articulate, especially since I'm I'm pretty whacked out on on Sudafed at this point. Um, and alcohol, but uh, yeah, basically, how, how you freebase that stuff? I don't know, but it's impressive. I watch a lot of Breaking Bad. Um, <laughs> anyway, in any event, the uh, the whole idea that oh, I'm alien, and and this is a, a purely physical experience for me, and it's not about love, really does fly in the face of of what Marv Wolfman um, put together as a character back in the day. Uh, she could love people physically and emotionally and, and have multiple partners. It, it did sort of give it a, a hippy-dippy free love kind of feel, but it felt more real as an actual character I could relate to as a human being than what I'm seeing on this Outlaws book, which kind of comes across as, oh, well, all right, I'm just going to sleep with you, and that's going to show that I'm empowered and different. I saw a lot of that in college. There's a lot of joyless fucking, usually under the influence of alcohol. Um, I I don't need to see that now. I'm 40. You want to go joylessly bang somebody, you go ahead. I don't really Awesome. I'll be right back. <laughs> I don't really need to hear about it or see it. It does nothing for me as a character. Um, and... Yeah, that's pretty much it. Also, the artwork, you know, like, there's a lot of posing, and it's all fine and well and good to, to put female characters into cheesecake poses. I don't have an issue with it, but... Well, it, it was definitely well done, cheesecake. It's like, yeah. Yeah, I lost you in the bathroom for a good five minutes, and you have the internet and porn. It was three minutes. It was that good. But... <laughs> but Joyless uh, sex. <laughs> but... No, the art was definitely good, and uh, it's it's one of those things that, looking at it, it, you can say it's a reboot or something like that. Again, I was never a huge Teen Titans fan in the 80s, so you're probably better to address this. But for me, I don't have the problem with you want to have a character who just wants to, you know, just joylessly, I am an alien, and you know, I like the bone. I don't have a problem with that. How did you feel about the character beat that it turns out in this new continuity that to Starfire, everybody's just sort of a, a sight and a smell, and she just does not even remember the Teen Titans? Because that bothered me. It's a, I'm willing to accept, fine, we've decided to make her a whore, because in case a new reader comes in and is looking for something you know, that they can't get with... A, a porno still and or an orange, <laughs> yeah, and an orange filter on Photoshop. They're looking for something to jack to, but that—that's what bothered me more about this. And I'm a dude in the sexism thing. When we talk about Catwoman, we can maybe get more into that. I but, I was, but the concept <laughs> that yeah, the the concept that all that continuity matters nothing to this character. I mean, I. I'm I'm a bit of a purist, and so I was bothered, and I don't know that I would write her like that. Um, and I'm not sure that I'm going to give the book a second issue to find out why they're writing her like that and how that's going to actually work over the arc. Um, it seemed to me to fly in the face of the character who had such great love and, and familial feelings for her team when she was on the Teen Titans um, that just seemed to me to be more of a heresy than even the fact that Barbara Gordon is walking now. 
it just it really bothered me. It just seemed like, have you read the book? Do you care about the history of the book? I'm thinking not. Well, uh, definitely not. And uh, the whole Barbara Gordon walking thing is a, a different conversation. I, I had no problem with that. I mean, I again, didn't either. That's what I'm saying. It seemed to me more of a heresy. You you just you've killed this warm and loving character who is also powerful as fuck. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> she remains that. But uh, she she was like everybody's best friend. You know, you would want to go. She actually got through to like Raven, you know, back around 1989 or so, who like is emo and can't connect to anybody. And, you know, they, they had a whole moment in, in a series. I forget exactly which issue. You know, they, they spend the night by the campfire, not in a gay way, not that that would be wrong. Um, but, you know. Oh, make no mistake. Scott Lobdell probably has that all written out. Yeah, they're next to the campfire and it's totally in a gay way. But, um, you know, she, she's able to get through to Raven, who's beginning to feel emotions for the first time as the, the partial daughter of a demon. Oh, she's a partial daughter. She's the partially demonic daughter of a demon, Trigon. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't, you know, she thinks she might be in love with Dick and, and Corey rather than oh, being. she's totally in love with Dick. She, she, Corey is so cool about it rather than being jealous. She's accepting and loving and, and just helps her out and it, it just seems like they don't care about the history of the character. And, and, you know, that's fine. You have creative freedom to do what you want with it. I also have the right not to read it. It was disappointing, and I want my $3 back. Well, it's to me, that's kind of interesting thinking about it. It's It may have been almost better. I don't know what Scott Lobdell has in mind for the character. This issue was so over-the-top and wretched, I will probably buy the next to see if he has something in mind beyond, look at Mom, Hooters! But <laughs> um, it's kind of interesting. You want a dead-inside character who just sort of wants to feel? Wouldn't Raven be better? Fine, we're rebooting. I'm dead inside and I just want to feel. You know, I already saw that when it was called Once More with Feeling on Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, don't even put that in the same <laughs> exactly. sentence with us. Cause exactly. So th- there's a lot to live up to expectation-wise uh, wise on all fronts, as far as I'm concerned with that. Well, it's, it's also interesting, and I found the same thing with Catwoman. We've not talked a bit about what happened beyond the fuck scene in Red Hood and the Outlaws. It, it's like that's all that happened. It's it, It's like it was written by a porno writer and you know okay here's the fuck scene and he wrote four pages of script before that but uh, jason todd had a a nice conversation with a woman who may or may not have been there um and then wandered out and didn't seem to care that Corey and roy were having their moment um and then went to go see an old supposed mentor who is now dead that that happened yeah but it's (laughs) but i noticed that happened you know why because i wasn't distracted by starfire's breasts Oh, I wasn't distracted. Not after three <laughs> minutes. But but it's that's sort of a point about perhaps the problem with writing scenes like that. You know, the, the scene with uh, Starfire and Roy and then in uh, Catwoman, the, the bat-fucking scene at the end, it is such a provocative, I guess just provocative scene of, hey, look at this. This is something that, 
the slash fit kids have talked about for years or, you know, everybody who thought, wouldn't yeah. it be great if Starfire would just fuck me? Yeah, I don't, I mean, It makes don't... the rest of the book like it doesn't even matter. It's it's like a writing trap of, and here's the fuck scene, like a porno. You know, d- did, did Speedy show up to fix her copier? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello, Speedy. I'm so glad to see you. I, oh, I seem to have dropped my contact lens. I already came. You can stop. <laughs> well, and I think it's also worth noting out that both of these titles are um, rated T for teen. And I know that a lot of kids watch the Jersey Shore and they watch a lot of things that involve provocative situations, more so perhaps than when I was a teenager. But is this really what you want to be marketing in your reboot for the kids? Uh, see, I, I don't have a problem with that because okay. when I was... 15, 16 years old, um, I read Watchmen, which certainly had fuck scenes in it, and they were certainly better written than the fuck scenes in these books. But yeah. by the time you're, particularly, it's it's the 21st century, you know. These are not the first tits anybody's seen, and thanks to Jersey Shore and cell phone cameras, they're not the first orange tits anybody's seen. So Yeah, well, I, I started reading Stephen King when I was about 12, um, and that involved a fair amount of, of provocative language and and sex in certain places and sure grew up with a, a giant coffee table book of boris vallejo cheesecake warrior porn art um that just was there that i would look through and go oh that's kind of neat oh conan you have the biggest most throbbing sword no there's no words <laughs> but it was implied because it was good art <laughs> there you go um, Good art's it, all about the fucking. Yeah, um, we had a subscription of Fredericks of Hollywood. Just kept showing up at the house. Yeah, I had, I've seen things. Of course, it just kept showing up at the house. I don't really want to think about that in relation to my parents. And you can't make me. And I need a drink. Um, <laughs> in any event, yeah. I saw the kids thing. It's sort of a uh, ooh, the, what someone think of the children? But yeah, it does have a teen label slapped on there. Just you know, for what it's worth. Um, do you want to recommend this to a kid? I don't know that I would. And I wouldn't recommend it to an adult, and it's not about the fuck scenes. It's about, because of the fuck scenes, the rest of the comic just feels flighty and useless. Yes. So I, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. It feels like a gimmick, and it was the same thing with Catwoman 1, which I reviewed on the site, and yeah, it's just, again, I have no idea what's going on before the fuck scene it's okay there's a break-in and then there's some sort of infiltration her house is firebombed for the second time but who gives a shit and because all you're going to talk about at the end of the book is see batman fuck Catwoman. well and the way it came across to me was um like that couple that is not really a couple that you've seen in in college like and and all they do is, like, have hookups, drunken or not. They don't actually have a real relationship. They just, all there is there is just the base pheromonal attraction. Well, yeah, I mean, we've all seen that, and most of us have done it at least once or twice. Yeah, that weird, yeah, unless they have some sort of weird quasi-nine-and-a-half-weeks backstory that we're going to unfortunately find out about or something uh, somewhere down the line. It just, it felt like... If I even see candle wax on Batman's nipples, I'm going straight to being a Marvel zombie. I swear <laughs> to God. Um, uh, and it's interesting noting Judd Winnick's quote justifying his choice here. He says, uh, and this is on comicsreporter.com, quote of the week, 
this is a Catwoman for 2011, and my approach to her character and actions reflect someone who lives in our times and wears a cat suit and steals. It's a tale that is part crime story, part mystery, and part romance in that you will find action, suspense, and passion. Each of those qualities at times play to their extremes. Catwoman is a character with a rich comic book history, and my hope is that readers will continue to join us as the adventure continues. Um, Alright, so the moder- modern woman wears a cat suit and occasionally takes home some office supplies and just has random booty calls? like With Batman? With Batman. <laughs> Winnick can justify... I don't do that. When when do I get to do that? Look, Winnick can justify it however he wants. The fact of the matter is the decision to have Catwoman explicitly fucking Batman, and it's not explicit, you don't see your jugs, and the minute I see Batman's penis, again, screaming to... I'll read Archie fucking comics before... (laughs) It is a DC book um, that is rated teen, so we probably won't see explicit genitalia. Well, that's okay, because mine will be out. But (laughs) it's... (laughs) It, it's this was not a rogue decision by Judd Winnick, and it's very easy to pin it on him. And in my review, I certainly did. But the concept of Batman having sex with Batwoman was brought up. Catwoman. Uh, yes. Uh, Batwoman actually pitches for the other team, so that's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, <laughs> valid point. Uh, in my defense, I have been drinking heavily, but uh, I learned from the reviews of the last podcast: don't burp directly into the microphone, so we're all going to be safe. But you're welcome, nice people. Yes. Um. So yeah, the decision to have Batman as a character having sex with Catwoman as a character that happened at a much higher consensus level because it was referenced in Detective Comics one in a throw in a throwaway line. But so it's not like. You know, Judd Winnick went rogue and, you know, like Porkins. I'm going in, but I'm going in by myself. It's Thank God for that. Yeah, because <laughs> it didn't work out for Porkins. But it, so uh, this was a wider decision, why it was made and why the decision was then made to say, let's handle it in this way with. I don't want to see Batman's O face and I've seen it now and I can't unsee it. Keep drinking. <laughs> and. <laughs> It doesn't even make sense within a a one-month-old continuity. Here's Batman. Here's Batman with his new rigid body armor that Catwoman peels up to get a nipple fucking tweak in. It doesn't... Peel it like a banana when it's convenient. <laughs> oh, Batman and peeled banana. There's more visuals. I You're can't... welcome. I... Those won't go away. Not with therapy, not with booze. But I would I'm say keep trying with the, the booze. The one upside to um, the whole Batman Catwoman hookup this week is the immense amount of um, art that has gone online that either has tried to fix it for us or deals with the the morning after. Yeah, you know what? There was some really awesome there was, stuff up there's there. There's some great stuff up, and we'll make an effort to put a few links up uh, on the uh, the post for the podcast. Um, th- yeah, just cool stuff about uh, this is just for effect and booty call and on comics alliance they put up a link to a piece done by uh, matt wilson of war oh the dark the dark knight yeah oh that's awesome (laughs) there are seven working defenses from this position (laughs) three of them disarm with minimal contact three of them kill the other Hurts. Yeah, that's straight from Dark Knight Returns, <laughs> which if you're listening to this, you probably know. And yeah, we'll we'll put up a link to that. 
<laughs> so yeah, if you it's over on on Comics Alliance. If you haven't seen it, get over there. Um, other things that that just sort of popped up for me this week. I'm trying to keep up because you know, everything's not all about the the DC new universe, uh, the new Fifty Two. Marvel still does exist. It's still, you know, the other member of the big two. Churning away. Churning away. And uh, they've they've got a number. They're still running with the whole event concept, lots of events. And <laughs> so there's Fear Itself going on, but there's also Spider Island going on. And then there's like 89 Krillian X-Men comics. Um, <laughs> so there's like X-Men Children's Crusade and X-Men Schism. And you know, then there's X-Men. Ultimate X-Men, which is being rebooted. But, you know, we don't do reboots in Marvel, except when we do reboots in Marvel. (laughs) Yeah, the biggest problem I have right now with the the main 616 Marvel Universe is the sheer number of events that are happening that seem to have no connection one way or the other. Marvel has been screaming as DC has been doing the universe reboot we don't need to reboot our continuity it is tight it is good it goes forever and yet at the same time right as we speak we have fear itself fear itself is their main summer event and the theory behind it if you haven't been reading it is multiple thor-like hammers have been given to people of all the worthy yeah the worthy which includes juggernaut yeah (laughs) Yes, there's worldwide destruction happening on a massive scale. Cities are being destroyed. Entire populations are being killed. Manhattan is under siege. But at the same time, we have Spider Island happening in the Spider-Man comics where everything seems to be fine except there's a virus giving people spider powers and they're all running around. This is happening at the same time as Fear Itself where there is somebody with a hammer in New York. I think it's the thing has the... New York is under siege, and yet there's a an island apparently full of people with spider powers who don't notice or don't do anything to stop it. And also, X-Men Schism is happening somewhere completely off on the West Coast. And Children's Crusade is also happening. See, I don't read a lot of Maine. I, I have been reading Schism. Oh, I haven't. Uh, sadly, I, I kind of, I realized I missed the boat on Children's Crusade because they're up to, like, the sixth issue out of seven at this point. Well, so now I'm just going to wait for the trade. <laughs> if you don't have $1,000 a week, you're going to miss some X-Men comics. It fucking happens. Because I, I was reading X-Factor this week, and it's like, oh, Richter got his powers back. How'd that happen? And there's no, like, oh, you should be reading Children's Crusade. Well, thanks for telling me. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> uh, let's go down the list. There's uh, Uncanny X-Men. There's X-Men. There's X-Men X-Factor. Schism, X-Factor. X- um uh, there's the X-Men Children's Crusade, there's Ultimate X-Men. Um. I, I mean, with that many comic, the, the only mutant story I would pay that much money to follow is the one about the dude with two dicks we talked about earlier. And that's a DC book. Exactly. <laughs> and that would cost me $3 because we're holding the line at two ninety nine. We are. We are. But, Thank you, Dan DiDio. So all these events are happening, all with earth-shattering, world-changing implications, but they don't even seem to fit in with each other. You know, I'll read Fear Itself with Spider-Man acting completely out of fucking character, saying, Captain America, do you mind if I abandon the fight? Because with great power comes great, I miss my auntie. Derp. Yeah. And at the same time, 
he's fleeing to do this while somehow Spider Island is happening and the entire island of Manhattan is under quarantine. And and if we're following the Spider Island version of events, Aunt May has already left the building. She's left the island. She's in Boston. <laughs> exactly. I didn't even pick up on that until you just said it. Yeah. Yeah, she's not even supposed to be there while in fear itself. Oh, my God. Aunt it's, May, I'm not even supposed to be there today. You know, and people talk about event fatigue, but... Even Marvel seems to have event fatigue. We've got events. What's going on between them? Who gives a fuck? Just write the story and dump it out. Some dipshit will buy it. Well, and it occurred to me today as I was reading through the fear, the most recent Fear Itself issues, where are the X-Men? Like, every other title in the Marvel Universe seems to have a Fear Itself title. Like, FF has it, and Iron Man has it, and something called Youth in Revolt colon get off my lawn you know, it has a fear itself title <laughs> well that's okay because there's nobody in any way involved with the x-men who possibly could be involved in any of these crossovers <laughs> you know, including juggernaut <laughs> itself but juggernaut or wolverine thank god he's not involved in any of this oh absolutely <laughs> Completely forgot he's in like four. He's only like teams. you know crucial to freaking schism and <laughs> schism and in the new Avengers. Avengers yeah. and, oh god. <laughs> but it's, and his own title where he's off you know like writing wrongs and killing people who have been trying to get back at him. I've, they just finished up the Red Hand section or arc of whatever. Yeah. All right. So here's here's a question. Clearly, Marvel doesn't even have control over their own continuity. Do you think Marvel needs a crisis? Do you think they need a new? 52 whatever um i think they tried that with ultimate their ultimate line um <laughs> they brought in the biblical flood <laughs> <laughs> never thought of it as biblical but you've got a valid point but um i don't know that they necessarily need it i think they could probably just solve all this by maybe wrapping up each of these arcs rather quickly rather than writing for the trade and then just kind of coming back to ground zero. They're supposed to be on their... Are, are the, is this the weekend of their retreat? Um, uh, they did it uh, a couple weeks ago, A couple actually. weeks ago? Okay. I wasn't invited. Um, I, I embarrassed <laughs> Yeah, them. amazingly, they don't call two drunks who are just going <laughs> to flick shit at Brian Michael Bendis and go, <laughs> douchebag! <laughs> Douche! You did this. <laughs> um, Fraction, you're next. Um, yeah. I just put a cigarette hole in your fucking hat, Fresh. <laughs> um, Axel Alonso, seriously, call us. Um, <laughs> but I, I think they could just solve it. Yeah, bring bring all of these quickly to an end. It's not that they're not interesting. It's just that you have too much going on. And then kind of go forward with a shared discussion of of what your characters are doing in each of your books, much like they're doing in the Bat books for DC. I don't want to say anybody is better than anybody else. It's just that DC now has the opportunity and seems to be letting their writers talk and work in conjunction so nobody's going off reservation and doing weird things that will screw up somebody else's storyline. Yeah, I mean, you can argue that the reservation is a bad place to be with you know, the Catwoman fucking and, you know. The reservation looks an awful lot like my college campus. <laughs> <laughs> Look, yeah, God, I, I guess we get back to uh, these goddamn kids today, you know, six months out of college. Their Van knows? Heflin and their guns and butter. Van Heflin and their shanana, but yeah, um, yeah, I'm, 
Marvel may not need a reboot. They've certainly done enough of them. They've argued repeatedly, we don't need a reboot, Daredevil number one, and Punisher <laughs> number one, and you know, renumbering X-Men next month. And they're, they're rebooting by shotgun approach. This needs something new. Now this needs something new. And I don't know. Marvel has never had a crisis but at the same time, Marvel, DC has never had a brand new day on Spider-Man where we're just saying, oh, this character, everything we've done for the last 20 years, let's just make a deal with the devil and say that's never happened. Yeah, that's about when I officially stopped reading Amazing Spider-Man, actually. Yeah, well, th- I still get it. Issue stu- 600, done. Yeah, I still get it and I still read it. I think Dan Slott is doing decent work with it. I've said before, at least you know, in pieces on the website, Spider-Island feels like... Uh, I- what i need an event you have any idea how much i've been drinking fuck it everybody has spider powers now call me tomorrow i'm gonna wake up but daddy has a fifth of jack daniels to work through exactly (laughs) and he's trying to irradiate his liver and get spider powers he doesn't have to do this shit anymore but um so yeah marvel we still love you but could you please just sort of work towards reining it all towards a common goal because right now I just don't understand the continuity in terms of what event is happening concurrent with something else. And maybe I'm missing something really simple, but it just makes it a little more confusing than I think it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, don't get me one woman. Don't get me wrong. I grew up on Marvel Comics. Spider-Man was my first comic book ever. It was Marvel team up. But um, it's a Scarlet Witch book, wasn't it? uh, Yeah. I I forget which issue. I want to say it was 27, but uh, that may just be the number of beers I've had tonight. But. It is. And I still get plenty of Marvel comics, but the excitement around DC with we're just going to start over versus you look at Marvel and, all right, what's happening here? Didn't I just read Spider-Man in the negative zone with Reed Richards in Fantastic... uh, I'm not... I'm sorry. Future Foundation, whatever the fuck we're calling it. FF. Just go with FF. FF. Um, Fucking F. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's recursive. It calls itself. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can't keep track of what's going on in your own universe. It's, you know, here, here's a big slice of the pie. This is happening over here. And just please ignore what's happening with these characters over there. And it just, it feels disjointed. And it's hard to hook into any character when you have no idea what they're doing or why in any particular event. Well, and also the other thing I wanted to uh, point out is, um, I, I do enjoy Thunderbolts, um, not quite as much as when Warren Ellis had it initially, but it's, it's I'm, I'm warming back up to it. And Luke Cage is supposed to be running the Thunderbolts, um, and so there's <laughs> all of this thing that's going on in New York <laughs> where the Avengers Tower has collapsed and fallen, and he's there with Jessica and Squirrel Girl, and... <laughs> And and meanwhile, he's also somehow running the Thunderbolts, who are running an op in Chicago. <laughs> How many places do these people get to be, and what sort of teleporter are they using, and, and can I have one? Yeah, and, and how do they get to ignore what's happening in any given place? Yeah. yeah. Supposedly, the Avengers Tower, the biggest tower in Manhattan, has collapsed. That's a 9-11 event. And yet, in Spider Island... The mayor, Mayor Jameson's biggest concern is, I might have spider powers. I suck. Also, Spider-Man sucks. That's that's his other t- talking point. He has two. That's true. Two talking points. But 
mostly Spider-Man sucks and is a menace. Yeah, I mean, it, what it comes down to is certainly there's event fatigue. Marvel, you've got three going on right now, and none of them have a goddamn thing to do with any of the others. Why should I give a fuck about any of them? Exactly. And and I really kind of don't. I've only sort of been following any of them. And I've been getting Spider-Man as part of my subscription for months, but I'm not getting any of the ancillary issues. No, and, and they're not really giving you a reason to other than I like Spider-Man, therefore I should buy this. And if that's what they're going with, all right, fine. But if you make it too confusing for your readers to follow, at least those of us who kind of care about how everything fits into everything else, then you're going to lose readers. Yeah, I'd, I don't want the story to be, I don't want any story to be utterly tied to continuity, but I, I, I would like them to make at least a little bit of sense with the rest. Yeah. And all this is, you know, we'll have the thing destroying Manhattan and people with spider powers destroying Manhattan in tandem. And, you know, in six months, Manhattan will be fine until the juggernaut comes back. You know. <laughs> all right. I want to I want to move forward because I I want to talk about um, Nightwing, bringing it back to D.C. Um, a little bit for a second. Looking through the take this week and of the the, the new 52 books that have stood out for me. Um, I found that Nightwing this week was my favorite of the group. Even okay. even possibly a little bit more than Scott Snyder's Batman. Okay. And I enjoyed Scott Snyder's Batman quite a bit. Um, Nightwing for me worked simply because Dick got to revel in, in being himself again. Which was nice. Got to revel in Dick. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, there's something to be said in being able to revel in dick um all right let's pause this week <laughs> um but no he he uh the circus that he grew up in was back in town so you get to go air bunny quotes home again a little bit sure um and at the end of it what i found intriguing again this is like my entirely overpriced english major brain working <laughs> probably making connections that may or may not be there um, at the end of it, he's being attacked by some nameless super villain, potentially, um, who's... No, his name is Wolverine with a stupid purple suit. With a stupid ahead. purple suit. Um, but the character wants to take out Dick Grayson, not Nightwing. And so he, you know, finds a kerfuffle happens and he's able to get away and change into his Nightwing outfit and come back out and fight the guy. And the guy um, ends up saying that he's there because Dick Grayson has to die because he, he's possibly the, the most corrupt killer, if I'm getting this right, in uh, Gotham. And It's just that he hates Dick. He <laughs> hates it. Him. It. Go ahead. Well, and then you know, my mind kind of works ahead to uh, having read the Batman book. And at the very end of the Batman book, sorry, spoiler here, um, Batman is investigating a scene uh, with Bullock, Har Harvey Bullock. Yeah, Harvey. <clears throat> um, Excuse me. I promised I wouldn't burp into the mic. Sorry about that. Of the Gotham PD, and they do DNA results of what was under the fingernails of the victim who was left with multiple stab wounds at this crime scene, and it's it's Dick Grayson's DNA. So... I'm wondering, you know, how does that tie in to Nightwing? What's what's going to happen with Dick? Is it related to why this particular guy is in town trying to kill Dick Grayson? You know, that that's intriguing to me. 
that's why I like it when when all of the books are kind of working together in the same continuity, and that makes me want to buy more books. Yeah, no, it's uh, I understand exactly what you're talking about because I caught the same thing. <clears throat> excuse me, reading it. Um, yeah, it's there's clearly something else, at least I think to both our minds going on with this. It, it I refuse to believe it's a coincidence that in one one book he's oh he might be a killer who's working against Batman another somebody thinks he's a killer um yeah. i just pray it doesn't tie into red hood and the outlaws but well, actually that that may redeem that story fine tie it into red hood and the outlaws it turns out starfire dick grayson's old girlfriend is fucking the follow-up robin fine do something with that it's better than you know look knobs boobs everybody likes boobs right callbacks to fast times at ridgemont high yes yeah. by all means yeah pay no attention to that man behind the curtain here's some orange tits yeah but you like orange yeah <laughs> who doesn't but orange is a fruit <laughs> actually it is it That's is not a even fruit. a good joke I do, I, whatever <laughs> I'm, i should have some oranges i have this awful cold but I digress. Yeah, <laughs> we're hammering, hammering along through booze and illness. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it gives it a good feeling of this is all tied together. And make no mistake, it's not going to last. I mean, for the first month, you can tie everything in and make it feel like this is a piece of this is a piece of this. But you're going to have creators who are just not reading all 52. You're going to have readers who aren't. Now, make no mistake, we have made it a point here at Crisis on Infinite Midlives to we're going to get all of the issue one of New 52. But I've already told my local comic store owner who knows me by name and asked whether I'd stop itching my balls in his shop. Would, he yeah, was I've very ar- quiet about it. Well, he's he's a mild-mannered he guy. He might be Superman. But <laughs> I've already told him, here are the books that I don't want anymore. Yeah, or at least ones that I don't want to commit to them on a month-by-month basis. Yeah, I might pick up one or two. And Red Hood and the Outlaws is going to be on that list. I'll pick up, when I see it on the shelves, the the next couple issues to see if there is anything beyond boobies. But and Maybe there will be. Maybe there will be. Yeah, so uh, to get back to the original point, Things will diverge, and there will be things that don't quite work out, but at least it's exciting right now because it does feel like hooded woman or not in the background of all these shots. It's We're we're moving towards something, all of us, every single book. Yeah, the hooded woman is, uh, yeah, it's like, where's Waldo? I started calling her Waldina. Like, <laughs> where is Waldina? Yeah, no, she's hidden everywhere. She's, she's hidden everywhere, and... In a, a future cast, we'll start speculating on who she is. There's a, a variety of theories out there online, um, and we can, we can talk yeah. about them at some point. I thought I had her pegged as Rama in uh, DC Universe Presents Dead Man. Ah. That's a, look, she's wearing a hood. And then I think you were like, oh, look on this other page. There's some other woman. It's the actual woman in the hood in the background. I'm like, fuck. Yeah, she's wearing purple. Purple's a fruit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the real joke. That's the real joke. Um, all right, so I like what's going on with the Bat Universe right now, warts and all. There are some books that are working for me. There are some books that are not working for me. I really enjoyed Nightwing. Um, I, I really feel that the writers that are working on the new DCU that have things in common have had a chance to sit down and to to use like sort of 
developer or programmer parlance, they've had a chance to make it work and, for the most part, make it pretty. Yeah, uh, there's uh, what they're yeah, again. I loved Detective Comics a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think Nightwing was solid. Batman was certainly solid. Uh, a couple of these other ancillary books are dicey, but it feels like there's a plan, and like any plan, certain parts are not going to work. But you know, I'm excited to see it. You know, as opposed to Spider Island. You know, I don't give a fuck what happens in Spider Island. Yeah, no, I like what Dan Slott has done with the book over the last year or so, but this just feels like an unnecessary, here's a thing we're doing because it's summertime. Exactly. So, having said that, uh, Rob, what, what book do you like this week? You know what? And this just shows that I'm old and I was there for the 70s and so was Kevin Smith. And you can <laughs> say what you want about what Kevin Smith's done over the last few years, but... I am digging The Bionic Man, which is by Dynamite Comics, and it is an adaptation of the $6 million man script that Smith did uh, sometime back in the 90s. And they clearly pulled the $6 million out because it's not 1975 anymore, and $6 million will buy you about 75 euros. <laughs> <laughs> now, did they steal some of this script for the d now defunct Bionic Woman? Well, it, they, there's definitely a feel of that. Yeah. I mean, uh, the one thing, uh, just uh, before I get to that, you know, as somebody who grew up with Steve Austin and my first action figure toy was, you know, the big 12-inch hard plastic Steve Austin $6 million man where he had the button on his back so he could press it and his arm would go up That's with awesome. the engine block. You could look through the back of his head. He had that Kennedy hole in the back of his head so he could look through and like his bionic eye. I had one of those um, those viewfinder projectors. Yeah, I had that. Yeah, like the projector thing, and it had it. Um, you could like crank it, and it would it would. And do... it was it was the opening sequence yes. of the TV show, yes. and you had to do your own. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I did. Oh God, we all did. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, that was you know, as an entryway to superheroes. I was already into Spider Man by then, but you know the idea of the Bionic Man. That was a superhero story, and I grew up on it, and I loved it. And clearly Smith did, because for you know, all the weird adaptations he's done, and you know, the Green Hornet, I, I didn't really hook hard into that, because I, I was never a Green Hornet fan. But no, but I'm, I'm hoping to get into it now that Matt Wagner's on there. Um, yeah, but uh, what he's doing with Steve Austin, the bionic man, he's, he's writing for the trade, but then again, what he wrote for was a two-hour movie. Um yeah, the the character of Steve Austin as a modern test pilot, all the characters are there, and they're written true to the original characters. Um, you know, Oscar Goldman is not a joke, some you know weird government stooge. No, he's really working to you know put together this scientific effort to create yeah a human weapon, but at the same time humanized. In this latest issue, there's a concept of well, we'll put bionics in this person and then turn them off when we're not using them. And like an iPad. Exactly. It's like, well, no, he's a human being. Um, iPads also turn off if you cover them with a magnetic blanket. They turn off if you don't buy one. Fuck Apple. <laughs> it's It feels really true to, yeah, and I read the original novel. Um, anybody who's an old school $6 million man fan when they were a kid knew that in the Credits, you know, based on the novel Sideborg by Martin, Martin Caden. I looked for that novel for years. I have it. I've read it. 
So I've read what it's based on. I love the show. And it really feels true to it, but modernized. So uh, I've really been digging it. And yeah, to get back to your point, reading this second issue, there's an ancillary character. The idea, not ancillary, he's the villain. Hull. Yeah, the idea of a bionic man who was built before Steve Austin who has just gone off the rails as I am more than human now. Is he off the reservation? He is off the reservation. <laughs> I have no joke to follow up with that. But I'm just saying, we said it earlier. Yeah. Whatever. But, uh, it, yeah, and, and that concept was, because I'm a Steve Austin fan, I hate to admit this to the internet, but uh, we watched the Bionic Woman reboot. Yes. Two or three years ago. I with, wanted uh, to like that so much. Yeah, with Starbuck and uh, What's-Her-Face from, from Jekyll. From Jekyll. And Who also shows up in one of the Christmas time episodes of Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, and, and that concept was clearly stolen. That Katie there was, Sackoff and the other one. Yeah, <laughs> Katie Sackoff and uh, other tits. But, <laughs> but yeah, that concept from Smith's... 90s script of now there was somebody before and they're angry and they believe something different for humanity it was clearly if not taken it's the world's best case of parallel thinking in the free world but it it, it works for me it feels very true to the original story but with an amped up uh, this is comics slash originally well this is movies and we have a budget so it's in its own way it's like being a kid again yeah I haven't seen Steve Austin in his red jumpsuit yet. Ah, oh, that will be the nice moment. But uh, if you find the book and see that cover, because Alex Ross on the cover puts him in God that red jumpsuit. God bless Alex Ross and his photorealistic painting or yeah. whatever the hell it is he does to make that happen. I, see I can't that. afford whenever I see him at a convention. Yeah, I see that, and in my head I'm going... <laughs> so uh, that's my... That's my book of the week. A lot of it's based on nostalgia. You know, if you're 17 years old, you have no idea what it is, and you probably don't give a shit. You know, oh, Rudy Wells, who's that? Well, that means something to me. Exactly. So, in conclusion, fuck you kids, get off my lawn. <laughs> All right, well, that brings us to the conclusion of tonight's podcast. That's right, episode two, The Knockers of Justice. The Knockers of Justice, here at crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Thank you for joining us this evening, and uh, we wish you the best. That's right. Uh, I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. And, uh, yeah, get off the fucking lawn. Derp. Sure.